The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Yeah, it's a very significant scene that is, uh, is recounted uh, in, in the gospel today, in this 17th chapter of, of Matthew's gospel. It's a scene that we see in, uh, in each of the synoptic gospels, right? in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, it's, uh, it's recounted in the letter of St. Peter. Um, it's, it's a tremendously important event in the, in the life of the disciples, right? particularly the disciples who are eyewitnesses to, uh, to what occurred. And um, I think it's right to say something like, they didn't get it. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, wow, that was profound. Yeah, okay. That was, that was a thought that you were working on. Something like that. They didn't get it. They didn't really get it. Um, and I'm not entirely sure that we, quote unquote, get it either. So it's a matter of allowing it to, allowing this thing, this event, uh, to be what it is and to reflect on it, to contemplate it, right? To allow God to make the impression on us that, that he wants to make, not just through the recounting of the scene, but through our, through our imagining this really wild uh, event that takes place. It's, it's so wild you can see uh, Peter is kind of knocked off his base a bit. You know, it's like this kind of rambling, trying to, trying to situate uh, what's happening within uh, Israel's kind of context of feasts and, and things like that. It's, it's really something of a, of a, um, of a comic response on, on his part. He's you know, the, the kind of blundering and you know, speak, speak too quickly for, for thought kind of thing that, that Peter, I guess, is, is so well known for. But um, his face shone like the sun. Yeah. Anyone been looking into the sun recently? <laughs> I, hope, I hope not, right? From this far, it's like, that's going to blind you. Okay, so don't do that, right? But his face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. Yeah, this, is, uh, this is the stuff of, of serious and lasting impressions. Moses and Elijah, right? Moses and Elijah, interestingly enough, uh, the, uh, representing the law and the prophets, yes, but also perhaps uh, people who did not die in the usual way, 
if we know if we know about the traditions around Moses and the lack of location of, of his body, we know Elijah was taken up to the heavens in the you know in the in the blazing chariot and, and all this kind of thing. Right? This is so there's some there's something there right there. I mean, something there. There's a lot there, and we know that of course representing the law and the prophets, we can think back to Jesus's own commentary on the law and the prophets, right, where Jesus says, uh, you, you know, uh, in, in commenting on uh, the, uh, the question posed to him, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he offers the first is this, you shall love the Lord your God with, with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is like it, you shall love, the neighbor, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right, and we, so we, know, we can imagine Jesus' commentary, his appearance here with Moses and Elijah. What are they doing? They're confirming for him, which might also be a bit strange, a bit, a bit tough to wrap our minds around. They're confirming for him, and they appear as confirmation of the path that he must now take, the path that follows. You know, we knew it from the beginning of the of the, of the story, as it were. We knew from the beginning of Matthew's gospel, at least, the path that leads to the cross. It is, it is the path of self-giving love. It's the path that radically reflects who God is, the path of radical generosity. And it leads to the cross. I don't want to get caught up in the theology of it just now, for no reason otherwise, other than I don't want to do the work and you don't look like you want me to do it. So I'm just going to, well, let sleeping dogs lie on that one, you know, but, but the, the way of self-giving love, the way of renewal that God wants to work for his people and then through his people for the world, yeah, this leads to the cross. Okay. Let me, sh- let me shake it up a bit, yeah? Because if I say, okay, well, this is, this is where we're leading. This is the revelation of God as man is, is most fully apparent on the cross, yeah? Then we have to live lives that are, say, not ashamed of the cross, not afraid of the cross. I think that also the, the glory that God wants to reveal through his people, that's us, to the world, is going to have something to do with the cross for us. This, this is not si- simply, you look at the cross of Christ, it's not simply an unhappy accident, you know? It's, and it's not simply something to be endured on the way to something better. It's actually part of the means by which the will of God is accomplished. It's, it's something, it's the, it's the means by which the, the plan of God is actuated. And so when Jesus says, you know, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, we know why. It's because somehow, mysteriously, this is the plan of God for the renewal of his people and the restoration of his world. So we know what we're signing, we know what we're signing up for. And, you know, we don't have to um, kind of heap penances on ourselves in order to embrace the crosses that come our way, except maybe we do. <laughs> <You know? 
<laughs> Maybe, I mean, is Lent given to us as a, as a time for, for precisely that? Is it a time to say, you know, just, okay, well, ordinarily, I'm going to avoid every single cross that God throws my way. But in this sacred season where we have something of, I think, the, the blessing of God, where we're close to him on, on his journey as he embraces the cross, we're also in that space where we are preparing our hearts to embrace the crosses that God intends for us to carry and carry with him, right? So the burden is easy, right? It, this is not severe burden stuff. The burden is easy because the, uh, the, the cross that is, again, the means by which God renews the world is nothing other than our, our bearing his love and striving to do everything that love can do. Even if it means carrying the cross in the face of unjust accusations. Even if it means carrying the cross in the face of really radical injustice. There's, there's nothing more unjust than the act that you see in front of you. Right? The crucifixion of the Son of God. Right? And, and, yet, we, and, and yet we can't even em embrace the injustice that comes our way and bear it with love. Yeah, why? This, that's a matter of, this is a matter of formation, right? Are we, are we formed more by our culture? And I don't need to be a cultural critic tonight, <laughs> not tonight. Uh, but <laughs> is, are we formed more by our culture or are we formed more by the heart of God as he seeks renewal? Right? So this means that, of course, we're on journey, right? Our, our Lenten journey, our Lenten pilgrimage is serious, it's substantial, it's, it's the rest. It's also lighthearted, joyful, and, and the rest, right? It's because as, as we're coming to embrace the cross, as, we're, as we are denying ourselves, taking up our cross, following Jesus, as we're drawing closer to the heart of God, our lives can do nothing other than embody more fully, more freely, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, right? The rest, the, this, is what, this is what we should expect to flourish in our hearts and lives as we draw close to God and as we allow ourselves to be led by Jesus. Okay, so I just really want to make, I don't know, one, one further point. I think it's one point. You know how long one point takes. I'm just saying. Okay, anyway, I think it's one point. So this, this experience, this mountaintop experience, this confirmation, this is my beloved son, Right? Hear that voice from the cloud. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, they were listening to him already, right? The, the apostles, the disciples, these are his closest friends. They're listening to him already. But the idea is this last stage of his own earthly pilgrimage is going to be all the more important. And what the disciples need to do is listen to him, okay? This is the same for us. All of our Lenten preparations in the end, right? All of our prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And can I say, we really need to put, I want to say, we really need to push it. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I know like, uh, yeah, okay. It's not like you're saying, I can read your faces, by the, I mean, I can read your souls. No, I can read your, it's like, okay, I can. Is he kidding? Is he kidding? No. <laughs> No, this is the word, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, right? But all of our penances have to be ordered to, yes, 
what is already witnessed to in the law and the prophets, right? Love of God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. Our neighbor is ourself. If they're not, con- if they're not conducing to those ends, our, pentam- our, our, Lent- our Lenten practices, let's figure something out. We can work together to do that. Or just, I don't know, maybe double down or pull out. But change something because it's not working. It's all about love. Okay, so but this is it. But what our Lenten practices allow us to do is to listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. He's the Messiah. What's going to happen? Right? They see this. They see this scene. It makes an impression. They now have to follow him very, very closely. And they're going to follow him to the death. It's, it's so critical, right, that part of his, of his pilgrimage. It's critical for their participation in it. It's critical that they remember, you know, every little twist and turn because, they're, because their whole lives are about following Jesus faithfully. And then and there, the places where they might be more inclined to say, he's going about it the wrong way. He's not doing it right. How is he going to achieve God's ends? How is he going to usher in God's kingdom by doing that? No, 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 no. He has the plan. He has the plan. Listen to him. The same for us. When we find ourselves, you know, penances or not, struggling with the cross, struggling with with what we are to do, imagining our future, not seeing the way forward, yeah, will we look to Jesus with trust and confidence that he is making a way? He's making a way for his pilgrim people. He's making a way for you. And and our listening to him is what's going to make all the difference. Now, let me just say one word. I have to, okay? I know, I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I have to say one word. Yeah. Listen listen to Jesus. Jesus Jesus is the word of God. And that word is love. So our our reception of the word is receiving the love of God. Our listening to Jesus is a matter of our being loved into life, being renewed by his love for us, and then being sent forward in the power of his own life of love to embody his love for the world. Again, he is the one who has called you, right? He has summoned you. That's why you're here. So don't give me this nonsense about unworthiness, okay? He has summoned you. He knows what he's doing. He has summoned you. He has called you. He is now equipping you, renewing you, restoring you, and now sending you and giving you the strength that you need to go out and be about his work in the world. Let's just make sure he's at the absolute center of the project. Listen to him.